Do you talk with your animals? Do you know what they are trying to tell you? I have been communicating with animals since I was four years old, and what I have consistently witnessed is our animals want to be part of our everyday conversations and are extraordinary storytellers. Let me help you listen more deeply, a listening from the heart that opens all the doors to communication. What we learn from the animals helps us understand ourselves in a new way. On this episode, we talk about animal soul paths and how they impact our lives and that of our animals. I share a special story about the Charlotte's Web puppies, sweet beagle puppies that came to heal in the most extraordinary of ways. In our conversation, you'll also find out how identifying a soul path can enhance the relationship with your pet. If you've always wondered about what your pet's purpose in your life is, this episode will clear the path to understanding. So, let's get the conversation started. Hello, everybody. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. I'm so happy you can be here. Um, as always, I, I, you know, I was thinking before the show, it's like a gathering of um, friends and human and animal coming into the room around a table. We're all talking. We're picking up where we left off. And if you are new to the show, welcome, welcome. Um, the conversation has already started. So whether you've been here before or you're just sliding into home plate, coming in, it's all good. We already know each other through the animals and through our energy. So I really I want to thank you. It's a sacred bubble we create. So, you know, before we get good and started, um, I, I wanted to go over what the supplies for today would be. So basically... I'm finding with every show, uh, the animals, I'm getting downloads on different things to do. You know, we could call them exercises, but it's actually for me really an invitation. It's, it, you're, you're being invited to kind of look a little deeper. Um, so the supplies you'll need for today would be pen, paper, and of course, we always have to have our hankies like and it may be a little bit more of a three and a half show. I'm not sure as it fell together. I was like, oops, I probably need to tell them to bring the box of Kleenex. So I wanted to go over the the idea of soul blueprints, soul contracts and soul paths, because they're they're all interconnected and it's really helpful, I think, when we kind of lay it out like that to see all the pieces of it. So blueprints. So we all have a blueprint and the blueprint would be the layout of your life from start to finish, um, kind of the overarching plan. Like if you would go into the, the uh, archive, so to speak, um, I would think they'd say like the Akashic records um, in the library where you pull your information, you'd be able to see what your plan was, what was the blueprint and, and, you know, did you hit all the points of that blueprint or did you veer off? So it's map of life. It's kind of a universal puzzle. Uh, the puzzle pieces fall into place as we complete each one. Um, the puzzle pieces being the soul contracts and the soul paths. So you've got the overarching um, blueprint, soul contracts, there are agreements made between souls before incarnating, you know, sort of like a hand, handshake and a, a kind of fist bump kind of thing. 
there are unlimited soul contracts because think about your life um, as you go through and you're meeting so many people, even if it's the cash register person, every, you know, like the um, Course in Miracles, every encounter is a holy encounter. And so we all have opportunities as we, multiple opportunities in each moment of our lives. And then the soul paths, they unfold within a lifetime, individual themes, lessons, patterns we're working on. And once you complete one soul path, the next one rolls over and, you know, they also can go on concurrently. They go on many different themes within one experience, as we'll see later. They evolve and transmute and they're constantly interacting and helping things come up because of the interaction. So they're not separate. So what I was given the image of um, with the soul pass is I saw energy and it was like waving and, and, you know, going into each other and, and like that, and then creating new colors and creating new flavors. So soul paths morph into each other and create new paths all the time. Infinite numbers. The flavor of each soul path differs with each individual. Same thing for animals. No different. We're all in this together. So what's the difference then, you say, between a soul contract and a soul path? Soul contract, as I said, like the handshake or the fist bump with another soul before incarnation, we agree to offer each other these experiences with a wide range of flavors. It's like a promise we give to each other. The soul path is boots on the ground. A soul path is where you get to experience, actually direct experience the themes, the lessons, the patterns. There are steps in this lifetime. The steps create the path and the steps allow the path to be revealed at the same time. So soul contracts and soul paths are intricately connected. You can't have one without the other and they actually activate each other. Um, so again, why is it important to be talking about this? Um, the animals have always really, mm, I, I've learned from them actually and, and what all the different ones and how they've shown me. And, um, you know, you know, when I said, what are the top 10 soul paths? That's really, what are the ones I've, you know, that I've seen or that get seen that we would all recognize and we'd be like, oh yeah, that. So one would be like the soul path of mothering that we've talked about. Uh, Molly was definitely that. I've had several like mothers with puppies, but also mothers that didn't have puppies and they were still mothering everything and everybody. So there's mothering, the soul path of father, because think about we've got Father's Day coming up and that's a huge, huge theme in itself. And if you think about any animals that might dis display fatherly qualities, what we would say would be fatherly, then that's part of their path. My dog um, years ago, we had a golden name Frisky and he was just amazing. He was definitely a master teacher, but he definitely exuded kind of a fatherly stability a real grounded sense of himself that anybody in his, his area would just, we'd feel so much better. He was so giving. Um, there's soul path of friendship. There's a soul path of joy, um, soul path of protecting soul path of healing, which we'll talk about today. That's actually one of the biggest. And we, we all can relate to that. And we're all 
kind of experiencing that in the world and in our lives. I mean, it's a constant going on. Um, soul path of vulnerability, soul path of trust and forgiveness, soul path of independence, soul path of master teacher. That's just 10. I could go on and on because there's, there's also the soul path of loss, the soul path of creativity. I mean, it, it's really interesting when you start thinking about this. And so, you know, you might ask, why is it important that I even know it? I feel like it's important and what the animals have shown me is, you know, if we, we are looking deeper into our own lives and, and that of our animals, then during this life, then we can fully take advantage and appreciate the gifts that are being offered in each moment. So I'm always willing to learn in each moment because moments matter and it doesn't escape me when we miss windows and we miss opportunities. And so don't miss the treasures that you're being offered as you live. I really feel like it levels the playing field between understanding this, you know, it levels the playing field between animals and humans because it's like, oh, we're learning the same thing. I had a wonderful session with somebody that um, whose, whose dog had passed. And one of the things she told me was that this dog had to, had to heal because, you know, she had been abused and she had been, um, in a really bad situation, she actually found her in a gully. Uh, one of her dogs led her straight to this, this beautiful soul. Um, I want to say her name was Molly. Um, but she watched her as she worked on her own healing. And then it dawned on her at the time that, oh, I, she was going through quite a bit of transition personally. If she can do it, and this is how Molly's doing it, I can do that too. And we can heal together. So it, it's always um, concurrent with whatever is going on in your life, whether the people that you're surrounded by, we're constantly mirroring each other. So as you know, I'm a storyteller and I love to share stories. I love to hear them. It was one of my favorite parts in teaching is just because what it, you know, our lives are stories. And so I've had the privilege of being part of many, many animal stories. And so I want to tell you one right now. So I got a call from a friend and she said, would you accompany me to a farm? Somebody's got um, a beagle. And um, so I was like, sure, I'll go. Where we found this beagle, she was in a pig pen. She was wet. She was muddy. And, and she was in a, in a pen with a pig. And so you know, I went to the, we went to the front door and, and, and said, you know, we, we got a call. Um, what's, what's happened. And he was like, she just showed up and I stuck her in the pen. Um, he really didn't have any, I don't know. And he, he, he was, I think she was discardable. It just wasn't a big deal. So anyway, we ended up taking her and I took her, I had some room then, and I have had some time to be able to, uh, to help her. Turns out she was pregnant. She was huge for a beagle, just huge. Um, and that was my first foray into uh, mothers and puppies. And um, she was, she was going <laughs> to, I, I, yeah, I would learn a lot from Ellie. So she actually um, had her litter. I want to say I had about two weeks before she had her litter. And in that time, I'm, I'm interviewing people like, how do you handle the puppies? What do you do? What, how do you sit? So I'm, I'm on it. And once she had her puppy, she had nine puppies, which is a lot for a beagle. And these, they were healthy. All nine survived. And 
for, you know, I had them eight or nine weeks and it was such a beautiful thing to watch. It was a lot of work, trust me. But I'm like, you know, tell me what you need me to do, Ellie, and I'll be glad to do it. So at about three weeks, I'll tell you a, um, like a, a little part of this. This is, this is how I came to learn things. So about three weeks old, I went to check on the puppies, you know, as I've checked on them many, many times. And Ellie was on, I had a little ottoman in there and she was on the ottoman and the puppies were screaming. And I'm like, you like the puppies are hungry. You get back down there. And so I put her, she just looked at me like not happening. So I put her down there and the puppies were like, mom. So they're all after her. And she literally just hops back up and she did this three times. And I said, no, you get right back down there. That's what you do. You're supposed to feed them. Remember, this is it. And finally it kind of dawned on me. Um, maybe I was a little slow to, to get it, but it dawned on me. Oh my gosh. You mean, and I looked at her, so you mean I, I have to like, it's like I'm feeding them now. Um, so that's how that rolled. It was so funny because I had to move into, you know, and I, into that soon and I had studied about it but you know it's a real deal at this point with all the puppies so as the puppies grew they were gorgeous they had shiny coats they were just precious and we named them after the Charlotte's Web character you know there was Wilbur um, all the different ones Charlotte and so you know I we I, I want to say when we took pictures of them I put them in little tykes cars I don't know if you you know those little kids little tykes so I'd put each one of them in and take photos and then it was amazing to me and, and a great teaching for life in that the very right people who were interested and were the match actually stepped forward for all these animals and so we would have people come and and meet them and and they all went out to like amazing homes and I'm just you know I was just in awe of how that process worked and I could feel that each one went to the right place. So it was about two weeks after, and Charlotte actually, the one in the picture with Ellie, didn't get adopted. And she was, I, 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 I guess, you know, what I have found in my life is that one puppy usually stays with a mom. And, and for whatever reason, that's what it was, it was Charlotte. So I ended up keeping Charlotte and she hung out with her mom. And so all the puppies went out into their world Things were great. I felt really good about it. And then I started getting calls. Things started happening with these puppies. And I couldn't figure out, like, what in the world had happened. Because, for instance, um, they would have a lot of accidents. They would bump into things and they'd start bleeding. Um, they had, I think, one puppy fell and uh, hurt his head. I mean, it was just, I couldn't, like, what is going on with these puppies? And so Wilbur went to a family, um, a husband, wife, an older golden retriever and two young children. And they really, really loved Wilbur. In fact, somebody else wanted Wilbur. And then as, as destiny has it, we all get matched up. You know, there's no coincidences. And she ended up taking another puppy. This Wil Wilbur went to this family. So they really loved him. And then they started calling me saying, what is going on with this puppy? And I said, well, tell me what's happening. And Wilbur would like bump into things and start bleeding. Um, he'd have lots of, you know, emergency room visits. Um, lots of different things happen. One puppy, another puppy um, passed and it was just bizarre. And so they did some testing on the puppies and the test came back 
that they had, this was a, a group that had hemophilia, hence the bleeding, hence the hematomas, hence the, the issues. And so this particular family that Wilbur went to, the mother couldn't stand the sight of blood. It was one of her things, but that didn't come up until, of course, the puppy comes and that starts happening. So there's a lot of, I'd say these puppies were also catalysts to bring up things in marriages, to bring up things that um, needed to be looked at, uh, things that uh, challenges that people hadn't worked with. So there was a lot of back and forth. Um, I would talk to the wife, the husband, you know, they, the husband especially loved Wilbur to pieces. And they finally got to a point where they couldn't keep him because of so much emergency fees and emergency room visits. They ended up, you know, asking me if I would take Wilbur back. And I said, yes, let me, let me have Wilbur. And by then I knew that, that, the the males in from what i understand the males are actually the care the the manifestors that but the females don't they're like the carriers but they don't manifest it so i was really worried and checking on everybody and i felt like i needed to tell who had ever, ever adopted that this is what's going on so little wilbur came back to me and he was absolutely precious so they he would come and play but i had to be real careful with him because of the hemophilia and had to make sure he didn't get too active. Um, and so it was a week that went by and Wilbur got really, really sick, but he had a really good week and he, he declined very quickly once he started and he ended up passing in my arms from that disease. But that week he was with me, and he was only four months old. So he was little. You know, that week he was with me, there was so much love and so much. He was so happy and he played with so many toys. And I feel like in the, the family he had been in, while they cared deeply for him, they also, there was a lot of arguing that went on because of this. There was a lot of, uh, a lot of things came up in that marriage. And so, you know, I tell you this story because a, it's just, they, this was a teaching group. Every single one of them um, were teachers. And there is still one male, Charlotte passed last November. There are still one male that I check on and he's fine. He never displayed anything. And, you know, he's, mm, you know, he's older now. Um, so I'm so grateful because the family that he went to, that was one of the ones that the puppies that had passed and what I couldn't figure out what the circumstances were, I was my, and they wanted the, you know, the other puppy that was um, available. And I was, I was sort of concerned that if one puppy had passed with him, how am I going to, you know, how do I, how do I hand this other puppy when I don't really know what happened? So, you know, it, it was interesting that they were, they were determined they wanted to adopt this puppy and, and still have him to this day. This was a teaching group. This was a healing group. This was, um, not only did they need healing, but they healed. So it was through their poignant lives that brought transformation and healing to the people they were with. We often ask for healing, but heal healing can be like fierce grace. You know, healing can come in many, many forms, emotionally, spiritually, physically. And it was through the challenges that they brought that invoked people to look deeper. Um, so their lives, though, many of them, you know, were short, they were very impactful. It was a very impactful group. And I was, you know, I, I just had to sit back and, um, 
you know, just be a support and watch and do the best thing I knew because I knew when they were with me, they were these little perfect cherubs with shiny coats and bouncy little babies. And then they went out in the world and to do their work. So, you know, it's, it's hard when we look at shortened lives, but I think it's really important to look at what the quality of those lives were. What, what gifts did they did they leave? You know, when we bump up into circumstances and experience that causes heartache or distress, we can focus on the event. That's whatever we determine by the words, or we can focus on like looking into the event and looking into what really happened. Um, was I sad when he passed? Absolutely. It was heartbreaking. He was so sweet and it didn't, you know, it didn't make sense. Just like when we bump into things that have happened in our lives and it just doesn't make sense to us. So I want to tell you about, um, I would call it the Blue Jay story. And this story is from my friend, Janet. Um, this is a recent story. So she had some morning doves come to her uh, trees and she, you know, watched them. She communicated. They were so beautiful, so gentle. And she really took notice of them and they took notice of her. And, you know, anytime we put on our, our attention on something, it blossoms and grows. So there was this wonderful relationship and friendship that actually developed between them. And each day Janet would check on them, would talk to them. She called them Mr. and Mrs. Lovey-Dovey. And so she would actually started, you know, kind of chronicling their, their movements. And she would tell us all, this is what's happening today. So I'll read to you this other piece about the doves. She said, I didn't post for day seven because it was basically the same situation, but a different day. And this morning, I, around 7.15, I saw Mrs. L. Dovey in her nest and said good morning to her. I was still tired and went back to bed. Two hours later, the attack happened. In and out of sleep, I could hear blue jays on that side of the house, but it sounded like nothing out of the norm going into the kitchen and looking out the window to see Mrs. L. Dovey had become a joyful habit in just one week's time. Late morning, the joy became concern as I looked out the window and I didn't see her in her nest. I thought they didn't leave the nest unattended. Maybe she was close by getting something to eat, I thought. I wanted to believe this thought. I couldn't help myself, so I had to go investigate. I found many feathers on the ground, and after a careful search, I found her precious egg on the ground below the nest broken. My heart also broke in that moment. Tears began flowing, many tears. Seeing the now empty nest from my kitchen window brings more tears in my heartache as I write this, and I couldn't fix them, fix this for them, and it hurts. So she went out, uh, she, she tried to figure out what would happen, ha what happened, and she decided to check the playback video, and what she saw was devastating. She, this Mrs. LW was apparently tag teamed by Blue Jays and was able to hold her ground at first, but then they overpowered her by making several strikes within a five minute time frame, And they pushed her out of the nest a couple of times. She kept making her way back, trying to get back to her nest. She then left for good when all hope was gone, her egg. Janet says, I felt helpless, mad, sad, but I had to do something. I burned sage, said a prayer, covered up the egg with dried branches and leaves. And this is the thing I think is really poignant. And as I read this, I get chills. To anyone else, maybe this was just a random neighborhood bird laying an egg in a tree. Happens twice a year. They lose eggs and babies all the time. Big deal. Life goes on. 
To me, however, this was a soul that I had made eye contact with and talked for eight days, a relationship being built, a friendship. The location of the nest showed me that LWs trusted me with their family. It was a sacred experience and I was honored. I still hear what I think is the call of LW couple a few times a day since their devastating loss and their name morning doves is quite literal right now. I'm also hearing the squawk of blue jays and it angers me. It will take a while before I feel any warmth in my heart for them again. I'm sure of that. You know, I share this story to you because not only do we experience um, losses, but as you, as we've all talked about, animals do too. And in this particular case, this she had Janet had honored honored them. What themes do you see in the story that are popping up? Like motherhood, that's one. Um, what else do you see? As I'm thinking into it, because I want us to go kind of look deep into the uh, story, like look like we're we're in a helicopter and we're looking down on the story. What kind of things come up with you? Um, not only in regard to the doves, but with with Janet as well, because with the soul path, a lot of that's coming forward in this moment story that I just told you. Um, protection, Kat says, Claire, vulnerability. Leslie, the law of nature, true, unfolding. Um, um, patience. What about compassion? And if you think about it with Janet and the birds, these, these, we're jumping, what we're doing is we're jumping from Janet to the birds, birds to Janet. Do you see how they're paralleling each other? Um, that's just an, you know, that's just a situation that happened in a day, you know, but it, actually unfolded within a week's time or, or more. So you can see that these aren't just, oh, this happened, this is an event. These are actual pieces of our lives that are unfolding and giving us information within the framework of the situation. And that's why I've kind of deliberately waited until this part of the show to share this exercise slash invitation for you. And with you, um, because at this point in the show, as we've talked and you all are interacting and we've shared, you know, I'm sharing with you, your hearts are open. They're already open. They're probably already open when you, you walk in the door, actually, for here. Um, and so before I get in, I've got, a, 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 I think, an exercise you're going to like. You can take it with you. You can use it in your own lives. You can help others with this. It's like all purposes as any kind of the exercises or the um invitations um, I'm given to share with you. So I would call this, and this is where the pen and paper comes in handy. I would call this diving for hidden treasure. So number one, use your heart to think of one event, story or experience that you had with an animal. Psst, this can be people too. It can be a current animal, an animal that has passed or even one that wasn't yours, but you had an experience with like Janet. Each time you do this exercise, there's specific energy that wants to step forward. So you're going to use your inner vision to notice whatever memory wants to come forward. That's number one. Number two, picture yourself hovering over that event. So you got it? See the beginning. See what's going on. The middle. And the end as if you're taking 
it's like a movie picture. Like you're, you're seeing it happen. Feel the energy of that. And then number four would be, what do you, what do you see? Do you see characters? So in this memory that you're kind of looking onto and you go, it's like you're diving in and you're coming out with insights. You dive in again, you come out with some more insights that want to be revealed because when we look into something, that's when we really see and understand. So number six would be see how the words interface with life, yours and that of your animal. It's the secret message written in every experience, whether it's a remarkable experience, whether it's a pleasant or an unpleasant experience, whether it's just you at the cash register and you observe something or you interact, always try to take a deeper look because you're always growing and there are always messages in each experience that will reveal soul paths, soul contracts, blueprints, connections. You know, you don't have to wait to the end of your life to do this. And this is also really, I feel, you know, and I think of my own children, a really good exercise for children to learn how to do that you could you could help them navigate through this especially if they have something that's bothering you know bothering them so it is such an honor that you're here if you haven't joined the soul speak with animals please do um, we'd love to have you there it's a uh, it's a wonderful group and the more the merrier so until next time let's keep the conversation going thank you so much You've been listening to Tammy Soul Speak for Animals podcast. Remember to subscribe to my YouTube channel, Tammy Soul Speak for Animals, and like my Facebook page, Soul Speak with Tammy Hendricks. And if you want a private session, please visit my website at TammyHendricks.com. Thank you for joining me as we change the way we communicate with animals and each other, one conversation at a time.